It's the Punk Rock Classrooms Podcast, Episode 8, Breaking the Status Quo. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, happy safe travels on your commute, maybe it's your plan time. I am Mike, Principal Extraordinaire from Lansing, Illinois. And this is Josh Buckley, a social studies teacher from Mesa, Arizona, and we want to welcome you to the Punk Rock Classrooms podcast. Let's get our classrooms to be like a punk show, bringing passion, unity, and a little DIY to what we do. Yeah, you don't need to be a punk or listen to punk rock to have that punk rock mindset bring into your school. It's all right if you got Vans or Converse. Now they're Visco, not punk anymore, but we can all be punks here at the Punk Rock Classrooms podcast. All right, man. So today's episode, Mike, we're on holiday break. I'm pumped. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about breaking the status quo. So this is a topic when I think of punk rock, this is something that, I mean, what's more punk rock than fighting the man, Mike? What's more exactly. punk rock than that? Nothing. <laughs> that's it. You know, Nothing. just stand up to him. And and I see this sort of idea of punk rock as this way to sort of like, it didn't matter, you know, you think like punk was started by a bunch of guys who maybe weren't the best, you know, a bunch of people who weren't maybe the best musicians, but they had something they wanted to say. They grabbed that guitar. You can think about the clash and the message of the clash and what they were talking about. And you can think of bands, uh, you know, just modern bands like, uh, who are speaking out and speaking up. And I think that punk rock is this great vehicle for people to sort of speak their mind and for people to kind of change the way that we think about stuff. You can just think like how punk rock flipped rock and roll on its head, right? Yeah. Exactly. And did something completely different. Not only did it flip a genre, but I think the message of some of those early punk bands was really about sort of like what they felt like being different about challenging the way things were. You can think of bands like, uh, you know, uh, some of the stuff that Bad Religion was singing about, some of the stuff um, that groups like Minor Threat were, were singing about, and that right. sort of uh, alternative mindset in punk rock. And I think, and I think you're with me on this, that sometimes we need to stand up, speak out, and do things a little different in classrooms and in schools and, and, and be loud about it. Oh, 100%. We can't just sit back and just kind of do what always been done and what everyone else is doing. I mean, no, you're not going to go anywhere by, by doing what's always been done. You know, it's time to I don't know, take it into our own hands and, and bring it back to the, to the true roots of why we're here for education to empower our students um, to want to speak up. And I mean, that's why this whole mentality from, you know, like you just described from the punk rock, punk rock background is perfect to bring into our schools. So, you know, I wrote a, a blog a while back about this. And one of the main things, I mean, there's a lot of ways to, to stand out and kind of speak up against a man and, and, you know, speak up against the status quo in education. But one of the main things is, you know, being a principal, we are expected to just have data analysis and raising test scores, right? Because that's yeah. what everyone judges us on. Our, we have our local, everyone's got their local assessments when you're looking at student growth throughout the school year. But then you've got your state assessments, which the state judges you on. It goes on, you know, in Illinois here, it goes on our school report card so everyone can see I, it. I hate school report cards, man. It's like everybody dreads that. And you know, like there are kids doing amazing things on these campuses 
but then you see a letter grade that's a snapshot of one moment in time. Right. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. In Illinois, actually, um, we had our school report cards just be, they came out on uh, like November 1st. And, you know, it's unfortunate because I know for at least my schools, what we were scored as is completely not showing the whole picture because, you know, basically what Illinois did this past year, man, we had, if you had one underperforming subgroup out of all of your subgroups, you know, which you can have how many subgroups yeah. be considered when looking at a state assessment. If you had one underperforming subgroup, you know, they kind of put all this, these, these other components like, you know, uh, five essential survey, student attendance, blah, 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 into this hopper. But if you had the one, under, one underperforming subgroup, you got the underperforming stamp on your school report card. Ooh. And which, you know, it's unfortunate because a lot of schools in our area had one underperforming subgroup and it was students with uh, CWD, children with disabilities, our IEP and 504 students. Yeah. Now, Josh, these students are already performing below grade level. That's why they have individualized education plans to, to state and, and show their strengths and growth. But then when yeah. they take the assessment, they're taking it at the exact same test. A fourth grader in the room next door to them who does not have an IEP is taking, but they're expected to perform and have the same level of growth as that student, which right, right. That's, not, that's not right at all. So... so as, as a principal, how do you sort of, how do you deal with that being the status quo and how do you kind of run your campus or talk to your teachers knowing that that's the way things that you're measured? What's the message around it that you give out? So, yeah, so I wrote a blog last year. I had a parent meeting and I started off, you know, I, I told them, they, okay, let me start over from the beginning here. My first <laughs> couple, you know, if you listen to the first couple episodes, a lot of people kind of know my story about when i became a principal my first four years I was trying to do the status quo principle I thought I had to sit in my desk and analyze data and focus on what can we put in place to raise test scores I'll tell you what our test scores didn't really raise much they kind of they, they showed growth but it was nothing spectacular I was miserable the culture of the, the school was going downhill people were not happy people looked forward to breaks and, and getting out of there for the summer yeah so last year I kind of said I'm, I'm going back to me that's not going to be my focus. And I told that to parents. I told that to staff, like, I don't care about test scores. I want to see that we are doing our best to make these kids. And I say this all the time, but this is what I truly believe. It's my vision, my mission. I want kids to know how to problem solve, how to collaborate, how to show empathy, how to have confidence in themselves to go out into this world and stand up to the man and say, look, I'm going to make some changes in this world. There's right. things that need to be fixed. I'm not just going to sit back and listen to what you tell me to do and accept this is how it's always been. And that's what my goal is. Now, I truly believe if we are focusing on that, our test scores are going to rise. So I've been stressing that to my teachers the past year and a half. Look, I want you guys to bring amazing, engaging, rigorous lessons to our students, get them up and moving, get them collaborating, get them hands-on. And yeah. we've talked about this. We had the construction site, we've had hospitals, we've had escape rooms. And so when our state assessment scores came out, Josh, yeah, every subgroup except for our one, I mean, 
they blew, they were sky high above what the state was expecting them to get. Yeah. I yeah. mean, 25, awesome. 30% high. Every single subgroup except this one, they were four percentage points lower than what was expected. They were right there. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, if you just look at the report card, it's a downer, man. It's like, man, we are right. not doing you job. You don't so, see the whole story. No, exactly. So we, it, this was very, very nice. And I'm so appreciative to my superintendent and our school board because when those scores came out, we had a staff, a faculty meeting. Yeah. They came and they, they brought up all of our subgroups. They showed how everyone was. And they said, look, I mean, we're, you're right there. You're killing it. And we want you to know as, as district office, as the school board, we support you in this. Don't let this, don't make this, let this, don't let these numbers, this, this label of underperforming deter you from what you're doing because you're doing the right thing. You're on the right track. And when they were the school board and the superintendent was done with their presentation, you know, everyone kind of, you could tell they're also kind of like, well, this is the school board. Are they just saying this to say this? But I kind of broke the side and said, look, I'm like, we need to celebrate this. Look how awesome we are doing. Right. And, you know, right. we cheered and we celebrated. And I told them, I said, I don't want, I don't want, this isn't going to change anything of my approach. I want us to keep doing what we're doing. Let's just keep looking at our lessons. Are they fun and engaging, but are they still meeting the standards of what's being assessed? Are right. we still teaching what we're going to be tested on? Because, and I think that's where some of my colleagues and, and other principals that I talk to think, well, Mike's just all about fun. He just wants to have fun in the classroom and ride around on a skateboard and a mobile desk taking <laughs> pictures. No, I mean, yeah, well, I do. But <laughs> we, we still need to make sure right. we're teaching to the state standards. We're teaching to what these kids are being assessed on. Um, it's not just willy-nilly, let's just have great, great activities. I mean, we still need to do that. So there's still a lot of behind the scenes, like quote-unquote principal work I do. But my whole approach of letting... My staff know I'm right here with you. I'm in these yeah. halls, in these classrooms. I'm fighting the same fight together with you. And we don't have to do, you know, your stand and deliver, kill and drill for testing. If right. other schools and districts do, we can get the same results doing things differently the way we're doing. So right. that kind of answers your question. Yeah, no, and I think I think Mike, you and I have been in education in the era of no child left behind and race to the top, right? Like that's, that's what education looked like for us when we started out in the classroom, right? Like it's, we came into this when the status quo was, okay, it's just about test scores. It's about, it's about standardized tests. It's about making sure that, you know, we're assessing kids. So it's, it comes down to this idea of like, all of that, what that did is that took the engagement out of classrooms and it turned into classrooms where we were doing test prep. So kids were ready to take a test, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that that's the thing that we have to be ready to smash. And that's the thing we have to say, like, this doesn't work. Right. Testing kids to death does not work. Making kids, I mean, there's, there's room for assessment to be used to make sure your kids are growing and to make sure that they're learning what you're doing in class. But to say that this one day, this standardized test is a full measure of kids is crazy. And so right. we have to be willing to stand up and say out loud, this is stupid. Like, this is not the way that you, that you educate. We don't educate right. testing every day. And I think as a classroom teacher, 
we have to be prepared to sort of stand up for a lot of things like that, right? We have to be able to stand up for our students and their families and and their communities, right? Like I'm from Arizona. And when I first started teaching in Arizona, we went through SB 1070, which was the show me your papers bill here in Arizona, which was, which was targeted at, uh, communities, immigrant communities, and uh, our, our Hispanic community here in, in Arizona. And it caused a lot of turmoil for families and students. And so as educators, educators were standing up and saying, these are the kids in my classroom, right? Like you, these kids deserve an education. I don't care who their parents are. I don't like, that doesn't matter to me. These kids need to have an education. We have to be willing to sort of say like, all of these kids matter. Right. Right. And we have to be willing to call out some practices that are bad for kids, whether that's testing or whether that's a dress code policy that targets students of color. Right. Right. So we have a dress code policy in our district that we've been working on that that literally says like it to wearing a do rag. And that's what it says. in the thing is against dress code. Right. So (laughs) clearly targets one subgroup of students. Right clearly targets students of color or African-American students and says like, nope, that's bad. You can't do that. Right. Right. And, and we have all these sort of policies where if we could just go, you know, it doesn't work. Punishing kids for everything doesn't work. Not that there isn't a time for students to be, take some responsibility for their actions, but maybe that shouldn't look like automatic suspensions. Maybe that shouldn't look like taking kids out of classrooms because those kids aren't learning. I'm not saying that there isn't a time and a place when a student does something extreme, that there isn't something there. But if we're not using restorative justice practices, if we're not willing to say and look at kids as human beings and say, you made a mistake, how do we work with you to learn that that was a mistake and to do something different? And that isn't always going to be send them home. Right. You know? Well, you know, it's interesting, Josh, because I've been seeing on uh, Twitter and, and, and Instagram, you know, there's this quote going around when a kid doesn't understand the material, we reteach it to them. Right. But when they don't understand a behavior expectation, we punish them and send them out for suspensions. No, we need to be teaching them. There's a reason they're doing or acting out or not following right. our expectations here or there. And I know, you know, we have, we have the same thing in my district where, you know, we have SB 100, you know, we're not, you can't just suspend kids to suspend them anymore, which, you know, I think is great. Um, but there, there are old school teachers, and this isn't just my, this is all over. Yeah. They sometimes expect, well, they did this, they need to be sent out. Well, that's not how it works anymore. Like, there's plenty of conversations I've had, my assistant principal has had, and even teachers have had with students, and they'll, they'll find out the real story of something right. going on, and they'll break down in tears, and they tell you this, my heart-wrenching story. It's like, okay, well, you know what? Now what you did isn't really that big of a deal let's let, let me help you deal with this and fix this. Um, right. And I, I think we have to be willing to sort of have those conversations with our colleagues, right? It, it might not make you popular, but sometimes you have to have those conversations. Right. And I think in a more practical sense, like as educators, not just sort of the fighting the man about stuff in the system that's working wrong, because there are things that like just don't work. But in like a practical classroom sense, I think we have to be willing to sort of, you know, try different things. We have to be willing to do things differently. Right? Right. Like if if you do this, 
Well, my wife always tells me, and I know she'll be telling me this uh, after tomorrow when the New Year's hits, nothing <laughs> changes if nothing changes, right? Right, right. You keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same results. Exactly. And so you can't be surprised when you, you know, when you do a unit with your students, like I, from a secondary level, when I teach something to my students and it's just not clicking, I can't be surprised if I do the same thing again next semester and it doesn't work. Right. Right. I can't just go, oh, kids nowadays. Right. Right. You, you can't just say, well, like, well, these kids or, you know, if their parents cared, that's that's crap. Tell me a parent who doesn't doesn't care about their kids. They care right. about their kids. It just comes down to this thing like maybe this isn't working for your students. And we just have to realize that, like, hey, if your kids can Google the answer, maybe we got to do something different. Right. Right. One, one thing I told my staff and a lot of them have gone out and bought Amazon Alexa's. And I think I heard this from, um, I think Adam Welcome was on a podcast and he mentioned it. Um, if you could ask Alexa a question and she can answer it, there's no need to teach it or have them memorized or anything like that. <laughs> because think about it. We all, every single kid, both of my, my, my 11 year old son and my eight year old daughter both have cell phones, you know, granted they're the page to go phones because we're not buying <laughs> them, you know, yeah. iPhone 11s, but they can still access the internet. They've got Alexa's in their room. I mean, there's so many things now we don't need to teach. I mean, you remember um, World Book Encyclopedias? Yeah, yeah. I had, I had a, a set. <laughs> so did I growing up. Yeah. And about uh, two summers ago, I was grilling outside and I had a new neighbor. He's an elderly man come over to me and asked me if I want to buy some encyclopedias off him. And I was kind of like, oh, dude, no, I, I don't because <laughs> I have a phone in my pocket. I don't need those anymore. Right. Right. I think that we have to be willing to say like, if this, is, if this isn't working, let's try something different. And that really comes down to, you know, what we've talked about before is collaborating with other people, right? Like right. if, if something's not working for me, maybe it worked for maybe something, maybe there's one of my colleagues who connected with that student. Maybe there's right. one of my colleagues who does that thing better. Right. And right. it really comes down to if we're just going to sit and grade the same way and assess the same way and teach the same way, what that's not moving forward. No. Right. Like the world moves forward around us. It keeps on rotating. Right. And so right. if we just stay still, we're going to miss being able to connect with these kids and, and, and helping them be successful because it's just a different place. Right. And here's the thing, Mike, we could talk about fighting the man for a long time because oh, look, yeah. uh, you, I can, we can think of what's recently gone on at Chicago public schools uh, and you know, the, the walkout there, yeah. um, I participated in, you know, the big red for ed movement here in Arizona. Right. I, you know, all this big movement is where teachers were like, enough is enough. They stood up and said, you got to fund education. You got to do what's best for right. kids. It's, it's not about me and my paycheck. It's about, it's about making sure that kids have the resources they need, right? Like I right. can't, I can't do my job with 38 seniors in a classroom. I can't do it. No. Right. And I know, I know kindergarten teachers who go and have 32 kindergartners in their classroom. And I go, how the hell do you do that? Like, no, it's, it's insane. It's and, insane. And so, I mean, like, if you're not willing to raise your voice for those things that are important um, in your classroom, for your students and for your colleagues and for the families that you serve, right. As educators, right. Um, you're going to continually find your classroom, the place where great things aren't happening. 
right? right. Not, that, not that you alone can't do great things in your, in your room, but if we let everything around us just kind of beat us down and we don't ever stand up and say, this, this doesn't work, people who don't know anything about education will continue to make decisions about education. Right. And you're so, going to, and you're going to get that, that, that school letter grade that's based on one subgroup. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, this whole episode, basically, if we could sum it up in one uh, statement, it basically is just, we're telling everyone, you know, just speak up, speak your mind. Don't just sit back and, and, you know, accept. Right. What, what everyone's telling you you should be doing or how it needs to be done. You know, and I tell that to teachers all the time, especially first year teachers, because I know it's hard when you're a first year teacher, you don't got tenure, you just, you don't want to cause any waves, you just kind of want to hide out in the corner and, you know, get through those first couple of years. Right. If, and I tell this that when I, when I hire teachers, if they're, they're brand new or if they're even just brand new to us, I said, you know, one of my questions in interviews is always, what if your team is doing something that you don't feel is in the best interest for the kids. And I asked this to paraprofessionals I hire too. What if that teacher yeah. gives you an assignment and you disagree with it? What are you going to do? And, you know, I'm looking for people to tell me, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to speak up and kind of ask if they can give me some rationality to, to why they are doing this or why they want me to implement it this way. Right. And then I'm going to come back and say, well, have you thought about it this way? Because you can't just speak up and not have a solution or, you know, another right. option. You got to have something planned out. So that's what I'm expect. That's what I want when I hire staff to, to be able to say, well, I'm not just going to, you know, bend over and say, okay, this is what you want done. That's what I'm going to do. No, like if you truly don't agree with it, if you feel it's not in the best interest for students, Right. Then you need to you know, speak up, give another option, have a conversation about it, you know? Right, 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 right. Like fight the man, but sometimes you got to talk too, you know? Right. <laughs> but you know, this is, this has been a, a great conversation. I know you and I could just go on and on about this, uh, but you know, it's holiday break. So we put out a fun little slow chat where we yep. ask people to talk about what music uh, album or band or song really inspired them. And we got a lot of good responses, man. Like, what some of the ones that stuck out to, uh, that stuck out to you? We were talking, and and it's nice to see, you know, everyone's kind of personalities and kind of like I feel music plays a huge background in everyone's life. I mean, right. it's 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 like a go-to of like mindfulness and getting stress out, and and it was nice to see a lot of our you know crew putting these things that like, you know, you wouldn't expect, you know, like, right. like, like Dustin Pearson puts it, you know, he starts talking about Alice in Chains and I'm like, man, I haven't thought about Alice in Chains in <laughs> forever, you know? And yeah, you know, I, you know, somebody uh, who's, oh, right here. No, uh, Novak, the educator. Yeah. He put, you know, BC boys, check your head. And I'm like, damn, I forgot about <laughs> check your head. That is a, that is a classic album. Right. You know? Listen to that. So it, you know, it just was something fun to do over a uh, break. I'm sure it won't be the last time we do it. Yeah. So what do you, what, you know, let's, let's wrap this thing up. It wouldn't be punk rock classrooms. We didn't talk about what we were listening to. So what do you, what's, what have you been listening to, Mike? Yeah. I've been listening to a lot of uh, no effects from like, you know, the, the mid mid nineties era. Yeah. And then uh, yesterday, man, I was rocking out uh, the process of belief by Bay religion. Oh. I love that record because that was the record when Mr. Brett came back. Uh -huh. And they didn't cut out, you know, Brian Baker had joined when he left 
and they didn't cut him out. So they had three guitar, you know, guitarists on there. I think it was their first record back on um, Epitaph. You know, they left the major labels, went yeah. back to Epitaph. And I'll never forget the first time I popped that CD in my car and just the opening riff of Supersonic just came on at like lightning speed. And it continued for most of the album. I'm like, they had a couple slower tracks on there, which still killed it. But it's just, you know, I went running with my wife yesterday and I put that on and it made, I kept wanting to speed up. But I was with her. <laughs> I'm not saying she doesn't run as fast as me, which she doesn't. But, uh, Probably wasn't the best choice for that run. <laughs> what about you? What have you been listening to? You know what? You We posted this conversation about albums that sort of like impacted us. And so I had put less than Jake, but I was like, man, some of my favorite albums. So I was rocking out to uh, Sunny Day Real Estate Diary, Ooh, uh, which, is, which is one of my favorite albums of all time, bar none. That record yeah. is great. Uh, so I put that on, cranked it up in my car, and I was like, yes, this album yeah, is man. so good. So that, right. that's, that's what I've, that's, you know, kind of hit my speakers today really loud as I was, you know, driving around this morning running some errands. So nice. uh, that's, that, that's what I've been listening to. And then, of course, like, you know, just all sorts of stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in to the Punk Rock Classrooms podcast. Uh, our next episode is going to be on uh, side projects. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Punk Classrooms. You can follow Mike on Twitter at mearnshaw158. And you can follow me on Twitter at Josh R. Buckley. Don't forget, uh, next episode, um, we're going to have the little hashtag out, Punk Rock Classrooms. Follow that. Follow our slow chat. Mike, always good, man. Always, always good, good, man. All so right. You and uh, all, our, all our crew a good, safe, happy New Year's. And uh, we'll see you guys at the show. All right. We'll see you at the show. Thank you.